How powerful is Cox Internet? So powerful that one day, your daughter will be able to simulate a soccer match against some of the world's best players right from your backyard. Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Internet delivered through Cox's hybrid fiber coax network. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions apply. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. For me, traveling and being in new environments it is enriching, and and it, it it is it opens my mind to new experiences, new ways of doing things. It keeps me, I guess, on my toes, and like spiritually speaking, it, it helps me uh, be in, a, in a, an expansive mindset. And I think if you can like combine the spiritual with the tactical, I think that can be deadly. And traveling helps me on the spiritual side. What is going on, nomads and entrepreneurs? Welcome back to another episode of the Nomad Entrepreneur Podcast. I want to thank you so much for joining me again. My name is Daniel, follow me your host. And this episode is going to be another fire one. I know I say this quite often now after every episode. And that is because I have the best conversations with the guests that I have on. And I couldn't be more proud and grateful that I'm able to talk to all those people. You know, people who are building stuff, doing some great things, building multi-million dollar businesses in some cases. And today is no different because I had the pleasure of speaking with the CEO and co-founder of GreenPal, Brian Clayton. And GreenPal is an online platform that connects homeowners with local lawn care professionals. And under Brian's leadership, GreenPal has grown into a multi-million dollar company with over 200,000 active users and has been featured in publications like Forbes and Entrepreneur. And GreenPal, under Brian's leadership, has been able to grow its revenue to over 30 million dollars and the most fascinating thing about this story is that brian has been able to do all of this while traveling to over 47 countries brian is a detailed nomad through and through and when it reached out to me i just felt you know what this is a perfect guest for the nomad entrepreneur podcast and for my listeners so this episode we dive into brian's story how we went from, you know, being, uh, having a background in landscaping to, you know, selling this company and now going on a different trajectory to founding a tech company, something that he had no experience in. Brian went from almost spending his entire fortune from his previous company by hiring a company to build the first prototype of your green pal. And that didn't go exactly as planned. And Brian went on to teach himself how to code. And by learning how to code, they came up with the first prototype that began to see commercial success. Brian's story is one of resilience, one of hard work and just sheer perseverance. And it just gives meaning to that saying that where there is a will, there is a way. So this conversation is going to be really inspiring for you. It's filled with a lot of gems, a lot of advice, a lot of strategy on hiring, on delegating, and pretty much everything that you would need to build a company from scratch if that's what you're currently doing right now. So thank you again for joining me on another episode of the Nomad Entrepreneur Podcast. If you haven't yet left the feedback for this podcast, I want to invite you to do that right now. It helps with discoverability. My goal is to make this podcast the top podcast for for people in the data nomad community. And this can only happen if we can get more people to listen and to discover the awesome content that I will be bringing you. So please do that wherever you get your podcast from, whether that's on Spotify, Apple, Deezer, Google Podcasts, wherever that is, it really helps a lot. 
And without further ado, let us dive right into this episode and let's listen to Brian Clayton's story of building Green Pal. But before we do that, let us cue the intro and I will see you on the other side. Welcome to Nomad Entrepreneur, the podcast for data nomads and remote working entrepreneurs who are living life on their own terms. I'm your host and fellow nomad, Daniel Faunikbe, and I'm excited to bring you conversations with inspiring individuals who are building businesses from anywhere in the world. Each episode will dive into their stories, tips, and strategies for creating a successful and fulfilling location-independent lifestyles. So grab your headphones, kick back, and join me as I explore the freedom and adventure of the nomadic life. Let's get started. Right, uh, welcome to the Nomad Entrepreneur Podcast, uh, Brian Clayton. Uh, super exciting to have you here. Uh, thanks for joining me. Awesome, Daniel. Thanks for having me on your show. Absolutely. So, uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, if you're listening on audio on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever that is, Brian Clayton is an entrepreneur, an author, and a speaker who has built a successful career by focusing on hard work perseverance and innovation. Brian is the co-founder and CEO of GreenPal, which is an online platform that connects homeowners and local lawn care professionals. And under brand's leadership, GreenPal has grown into a multi-million dollar company with over 200,000 active users and has been featured in publications like Forbes and Entrepreneur. And prior to starting GreenPal, Brian founded Peachtree, which is a landscaping company that it grew to become one of the largest in the state of Tennessee with over $10 million in annual revenue. And Peachtree was eventually acquired by Lusa Holdings, a national company. And Brian has also been recognized for his leadership and entrepreneurial spirit by organizations like the Nashville Business Journal, which named Brian as one of the 40 under 40 honorees. And Brian's entrepreneurial journey is a testament to the power of hard work, determination, and a willingness to take risks. He's passionate about helping others achieve their own success and is always looking for ways to give back to the community, which is why Brian is here today. But one thing that is very notably missing in that introduction is the fact that while doing all of this, you've managed to visit over 47 countries, you know, traveling while doing this, which is what I, you know, find a little bit, you know, more fascinating than other things. I know other things are interesting, but tell me about, you know, that specifically, how are you able to, you know, juggle building a multi-million dollar company with being able to see the world? Is this something that just excites you or is it out of your, uh, you know, uh, spirit of adventure and what is what is that about really before we dive into other things awesome yeah well thanks for having me on daniel and thanks for that great introduction and uh yeah so um the last five years um while building green pal i've just been traveling basically full time 11 months out of the year um just going from one, wow. one city to another my i like to spend a month in a place or maybe two and and just get a feel for <laughs> it and and uh and work while i do it and it's been a really good balance for me i didn't anticipate or set out to live this kind of nomadic lifestyle intentionally but uh, something happened about 5 years ago i, I was building our, our business green pal working six, seven days a week, um, sometimes mm. hundred hour weeks, uh, getting the business going, getting the marketplace going. And uh, there was a, a, a my neighbor and uh, the building where I lived in Nashville, Tennessee was a successful entrepreneur that I looked up to. He had built a successful restaurant chain in the United States. And he one day got diagnosed with brain cancer and he was probably mm. five or six years older than me. And um, I watched this guy like in six months lose everything, lose all of his health, lose wow. all of his mobility. Uh, I used to like go over and like help him, um, you know, get out of bed in the morning and, and help him like, make dinner at night. And he would tell me stories about the restaurant business and, and how he built a su su successful chain of restaurants. And I just found that guy mm. fascinating. And, and sadly, he died. He died of brain cancer, brain cancer wow. about six months, eight months uh, after battling it. So experiencing that, watching this guy who was about my age lose everything uh, to just some bad luck, um, 
really shook me and woke me up. And, and I thought, man, you know, Hmm. My 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 mission of building this this marketplace and and scaling a, a big tech business is consuming me, and I'm not living, I, and I haven't been for six or seven hmm. months or six or seven years. And I thought, well, I'm just gonna do a little bit of traveling. I'd never been to Australia, so I booked a trip to Australia, and and I just fell in love with it, and and spent a month out there, and I started to realize I'm actually doing better work. Uh, while being hmm. in these new environments, um, I'm more inspired. I'm getting more done in less time because of, of uh, like a forcing function with time constraints because I want to go out and see and do things. So I'm, I'm, having, I'm putting better quality hours in. And, and so I got back home after two months of traveling throughout uh, Australia and, and Southeast Asia. And, and, and the moment I got back, I just wanted to be back out there and or, or back out somewhere. And, and so it very much like uh, was addicting. And and I, I remember that I just I just from that moment forward just started traveling as much as I could and and figuring out how to run this business. Um, you know, our, our team was we had four or five people based in Nashville. Now our team is 40 something. But uh, I just made us all fully mm. remote. A fully distributed team figured out how to do it, and 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 now I haven't looked back. I'm still living this nomadic lifestyle. I'm actually in Nashville, Tennessee, where I live now, but uh, but I'm getting ready to head back out to Europe for a couple of months. And so, uh, for me, it, it, it's like the business affords me this lifestyle, and the lifestyle is what inspires me to to grow the business. It's this mm. nice uh, fulfilling loop. Right, right. I mean, that's. That's uh, that's that's an interesting story, and it's quite um, fascinating how s sometimes because I haven't been through, um, I haven't experienced loss myself of a very close one. I mean, a close relative, my dad, to be precise. I think it's really what set me on this path that I'm on right now because. You know, just like you said, you see someone who was so full of life and with all these aspirations and goals and in such a short period of time, everything just, you know, went out the window and all of that just seemed, all of the goals just seemed unaccomplishable in a way. So it's quite interesting how one person's life story just affects us and probably just, you know, puts us in a different course entirely. And what I also find fascinating, you know, is the fact that you said something around the fact that you built this business to be able to live a lifestyle, but the business end up, you know, being that thing that pushed your life in a different course. Exactly. So, I mean, how, how did that you know, come about? Like, when you got out there on the road, I, I know a lot of people, especially a lot of high-performing uh, CEOs, one thing that people talk about is the fact that if you want to be productive, if you want to build something that, you know, that is impactful, you need to be extra focused. You need to, you know, pull in all of your energy, your strength, your focus, just pull it into this thing. But here you are being able to build a company to the magnitude that you have and still able to do other things that most people could only dream of, which is to see the world and just, you know, leave this lifestyle that only, you know, that people could only, you know, imagine how has that been able to I mean, how have you been able to make that possible especially building this company to what it is right now and being everywhere all at once and you know having all of this incredible experiences what has that been like for you yeah it's a, it's a really good question and i think it's important to to make the distinction you know the first five years, maybe six years of building GreenPow, I was I was chained to my desk in a windowless office uh, with my team, and and hmm. I think, you know, that's what was required at that stage of the game, going from zero hmm. to one, and inventing a new product and inventing the, uh, a platform that connects buyers and sellers. It was really really challenging, and and I don't know that I could have done that stage of the game remotely. I don't know if I could have done that mm. stage of the game over Zoom. Uh, it really needed to have my team and I in one room on a whiteboard. And and after that, after we kind of got to maybe level two of the game, a couple of thousand customers, a little bit of revenue, uh, some money coming in so we could put money to back out to work, we were then able to kind of not take our foot off the gas, but not have to almost like, run so hard we almost killed ourselves doing it um hmm. and and so for me that's 
that's how I experienced it. Now, I've known several entrepreneurs that have gone from zero to one and have done it remotely and done it living a nomadic lifestyle. For me, I don't know that I could have. And uh, I saw a funny meme the other day uh, where, where they, they, somebody took a picture of this office tower and a big blue office tower. And in the upper right-hand corner is, is a big Zoom sign. And it's like, why does Zoom have offices? <laughs> <laughs> I saw that. <laughs> that hold on. I, I mean, Zoom, uh, they encourage remote work, but, the, but not working remotely. What's going? I saw that. And it was quite funny. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, so, and I looked at that. I'm like, damn, why does, why does Zoom have uh, offices? And Zoom is a really, is a, is, it makes magic happen. It's a very complex product and uh, pro, uh, platform. Yeah. And, and so, you know, to pull something like that, that off i think they have to get everybody in a room together and somebody uh, i get asked this all the time do you believe in a remote team where everybody's got to be together and, and another quote i heard once somewhere was do you think the iphone could have been built over zoom and and i don't think it could have been so i think it mm. i think it depends on what stage of the game you're at what you know begin with the end in mind what does five ten years from now look like with your business mm. work backwards can you do that living a, a remote uh, nomadic lifestyle. Um, and for me, I, my personal belief is, it's like put in the, the one, two or three years of grind, um, uh, in a, in, in an office somewhere, go, go from zero to one. Then you can kind of enjoy the, that hard work by, by working, mm. working on the business still, but in, enjoying the, 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 the environment in which you're doing it. Right, right. That's, 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 that's a, you know, great advice because I, I see a lot of people, uh, you know, I, I, I honestly believe it's sort of like the, you know, the saying that you're putting the carts before the horse. You know, uh, a lot of the great things that we see around us today, the great companies that we enjoy, the products that they've built, I don't think, like you said, they could have done a lot of things with, you know, you know without being in the same, uh, in the same physical location. I mean, at later stages of the business, I think it's, it can be possible. It is possible to build stuff and to just uh, build a lifestyle business or a lifestyle that revolves around, uh, you know, business that revolves around the lifestyle. But uh, take me back a little bit to, you know, the early stages, right? When you were starting out, um, from what I learned about you, you have a background in, uh, in landscaping, if that's, if, if that's the right one. And you kind of just transitioned into using technology to enhance what you did. And one of the things that was funny about, you know, what I read about you was you taught yourself how to, how to code, how to build websites, how to, you know, put this thing on the web. What was the early stages like for you? And those early stages of you learn how to code, I mean, I can't imagine how it must have been. Just walk me through those initial stages, what was going through your mind at the time, and just like the whole set the scene for me about what was going on in that time. Yeah, it was super challenging. Uh, and, and looking back, that was 10 years ago. It doesn't feel like 10 years ago. I think we're kind of like a 10-year overnight success. Um, but uh, wow. but yeah, we, we had to teach ourselves how to code, how to build software. To your point, uh, to, you know, my first business was a landscaping business. I, I started mowing grass as a kid in high school and little by little built mm. that into a real company, eventually getting that business uh, around 150 employees, over $10 million a year in revenue. And in 2013, my, my landscaping company was acquired by a national company. And um, I learned a few oh. things about myself going through that. I, after I sold it, I thought that I was just going to kind of live this easy lifestyle that that uh, I, I was just going to do like passive investing and just put my money to work and, and not and not have to grind on anything anymore. And that lasted about six months. I got super bored. I started feeling like uh, I started feeling like discontent and and like there was some kind of like something missing. And I realized that that my business was the thing that was in, enabling me to live a a rewarding life that it was giving me purpose. It was hmm. giving me meaning. And, and now that I sold it, that was gone. And so I thought, well, damn, I guess I got to start another business. I don't really want to do that again. Cause that was really hard, but I need to start something. And I thought, yeah. well, a tech business looks to be easy. Um, maybe I'll just do that. <laughs> and, 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 I, and it was kind of like, it was like, I was like super naive about it, but it was a good thing. Uh, it was mm. like an asset. Being naive was an asset. Because uh, if I'd known how hard it was going to be, right. I never would have done it. But I thought, well, you know, yeah. I, I said an app, an app should exist for this industry I know 
like somebody should be able to like push a button and, and order a lawn care service to come mow their yard. And I, that was the idea. And I thought, well, you know, hmm. it'll be a couple years of work and, and we'll, and we'll be off and going. And, and, uh, nobody told me that the main reason why a tech business is challenging and hard is because usually you're inventing a new product from scratch. You're inventing hmm. something new and bringing it to the marketplace. And, and while running a landscaping company or a construction company or a restaurant or a, a traditional type of business, those are also challenging, but you're not really inventing a new way of doing things. You're, you're, you're following hmm. a, a kind of a proven model. Whereas you, you you're inventing a right. you're inventing a new app, there is no model, there is no roadmap, there is no plan of attack. It's basically just going from failure to failure without a loss of enthusiasm, mm. and uh, that was really challenging. It was daunting. Um, we 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 uh, didn't know how to code, and so we paid a development shop one hundred and fifty thousand dollars to to build what we thought GreenPal should be, and we launched that, and it was a wow. total failure. Uh, it didn't work. It did, wow. didn't have the features it needed. And, and so, uh, and so we, we, we learned a hard lesson that if we were going to be in the technology space, that my co-founders and I were going to have to learn how to write software. And begrudgingly, hmm. I, I took every online class I could. My co-founder went to a boot camp. Wow. He put like 10 grand on a credit card to pay for a boot camp. Uh, and, and after about a year, we were able to, to rebuild the whole thing ourselves. And and then hustle up, wow. hustle up a few customers, and then make some little small goals, knock those goals down, and then and then never look back. That's how, and that's how we've gotten where we are today. Yeah, there's 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 a lot to unpack here. I mean, when you talk about learning to code or going to boot camps and learning a new skill from scratch, I mean, you're not. 10 years ago i mean you're not you're not 17 yeah right <laughs> obviously right. Uh, <laughs> right. Uh, uh, this must have been and 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 when i think about this i mean without you no know, knowing what i know now without you having narrated the story i'm thinking oh maybe you just you know took some online classes and you know, hired someone and just oversaw what they did but you're saying you actually like went down to the basics of learning the CSS and JavaScript and whatever frameworks that was required to build this thing. Is that is that accurate? Am I am I hearing that correctly? Yeah, it's exactly how it went down. So so um, I didn't take like the money I made from selling my first business and like plow it in the green pal. So so green pal very much had to sing for its supper day one. And and a couple of reasons mm. why. I I knew that I didn't know I did I knew enough to know that I didn't know what I was doing. And I figured if I took like the the money I made from my first company, I would like waste it. And and I knew that like from that moment forward, I didn't ever want to have to push a mower ever again. I never wanted to like pick up a weed eater ever again. <laughs> so so I took all of the money I made and put it all into real estate. I just bought houses, single family homes, and rented them out. And I hmm. thought, okay, I can't screw that up because they're illiquid. It's it's like a three month process to sell one, and and so I'm gonna bank, right. I'm gonna bank all that. And so whatever I do from this moment forward, I got a little bit of money, but not much to screw it up. And yeah. so and so we 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 my two co founders and I pulled our money together and we spent it all on this development shop. Like we spent like damn near all wow. of our money uh, to, to pay this shop to build it. And, and uh, so when we, when we were licking our wounds from that, we were broke and our backs were against the wall. Wow. You know, we didn't have, we, we couldn't pay another developer. We couldn't pay another shop. We had to take it down to the code, learn Ruby on rails, learn wow. JavaScript, learn you know, HTML, CSS. And I became the world's worst, most terrible front end engineer. And uh, my, <laughs> my co-founder uh, became a, a decent back end engineer. And that took a while. But, uh, but, you know, to your point, I was very much a blue-collar entrepreneur at the time. Uh, I was 33 years old. Mm. I, had, I had never even – I didn't even know what HTML was. And now I'm, like, having to learn this whole wow. new skill. And what that taught me about myself was to not believe my own BS, to not believe – like, mm. a lot of times, you know, as, as, as people, as founders, we associate these titles – and labels associated with ourselves. And yeah. it's like, and we think I can't do that because I'm not an engineer. Go get an engineer to do that. Right. When in fact, 
you can become 80, 20 good at, you know, you can learn the 80% of skills and 20% of the time uh, to, to become Absolutely. dangerous enough to, to do pretty much anything. And uh, that hmm. period of my life taught me that, that I could learn pretty much anything I had to learn to get to the next level of the game. And, and I'm glad I did that. It sucked at the time, but I'm glad I did it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't think there is because I, I have, you know, quite a number of founder friends, you know, tech founders who are, you know, sort of like in uh, pre-seed round series, you know, friends and family and, and stuff like that. And, you know, I, it's, I, I see it that it's quite a challenge to build a product from scratch, especially if you don't have maybe a co-founder or someone who you can hire on the cheap who has like a technical knowledge and being able to say, you know what, I think I'm going to learn this thing and I'm going to build it myself is the greatest advantage there is because you are the founder, you understand the product, you have the vision and you know exactly what it needs to, in order to like meet that criteria that you set yourself for yourself. So I think that's, that's really brilliant. You know, so I, I, I also, you know, what, Fast forward a little bit. You now build this product. It's out there in the market. I mean, I can't imagine that, it, you know, started making money from day one. I mean, getting customers is probably like the hardest thing anyone would ever do. I don't care what industry you're in. How did you get those first paying customers, you know, to start using, you know, GreenPal and start, you know, seeing some traction and say, you know what? I think what we're doing right now is starting to pay off. What was the initial days like getting the first paying customers and you know starting to get traction from that? Yeah, man, it's a great question. Great, yeah, it's a great thing to ask because there's a lot of a lot of new founders overlook that part and and don't think hmm. about that in the early days. And I know I didn't. And um, there's why why if you why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this why? a lot. Why every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours? Why why because your network gives priority to cell phone users? Why? why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com/5gHome for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet. Uses during times of congestion. So there's a, a saying that now I know I know now that makes a lot of sense. That first-time founders worry about product, and second-time founders mm. second-time founders worry about distribution, because the second-time founder mm. knows that that actually building the product is the easy part. The hard part is getting customers, is getting is getting people to use it, and mm. and. Uh, you know, I learned this the hard way. We we spent we we wasted a year paying a development shop to build it. That was a failure. We got like twenty customers, and then we spent another year learning how to code and rebuilding oh. it. And then we launched that into the marketplace, and it was like, if you build it, they will not come. Um, it, it it was crickets, <laughs> and, and, and so with a marketplace, you've got a chicken and egg problem with the marketplace. You got to get right. you get sellers on at just the right time as the buyers, and you got to balance the, yeah. the, the 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 number of each of them. And and so there's this like this like uh, delicate like orchestration that you have to do to get the critical mass mm. of buyers and sellers. And so we were doing all of this and we realized, holy crap, man, like everything we've done, learn how to code, build this thing. That's the easy part. The hard part is now figuring out how hmm. we're going to attract people to use this platform because that's really what we got to be good at. And the first hundred, maybe 500 right. people we, we, did, we, we got just by passing out flyers, door hangers all over Nashville, wow. Tennessee. That's what we had to do at that stage of the game just to get a handful of people to use our, our new crappy app that we just launched. So then we could start learning, hmm. learning how to fix it, learning, learning what things needed to be improved, learning what, what was confusing people, what they wish it would do that it didn't, and then, and then learning a, 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 a distribution strategy. And eventually what we landed on was Google organic search was, was going to be the best thing that we could invest our hmm. time in to, to get people to, to the platform. And, and then we're confronted with the reality that that's like a two or three year uh, ramp. Uh, and we, so we started super small, made little small goals, started creating content for really long tail uh, keywords, started to rank for them, started to build up a little bit of authority and 
started to get the snowball going where we could get some momentum going in that channel. Right. And, you know, that's because, uh, again, I, I know people today that they launched an app. I mean, this is in reference to, you know, one of my friends, I mean, a couple of my friends who came together, built a solid product that I think is really, you know, important in the freelance uh, community in the creative world. And, you know, with the power of social media, they have, you know, quite an engaged following and i would say in less than two weeks they had over three thousand users and i thought that was insane and you didn't have this at the time i'm assuming you didn't have like thousands of followers on you know social media and whatnot and it, i mean i know what probably the response would be but do you think that would have been an advantage if you probably had that at the time yeah you know it it would have helped um it, it certainly would have helped and and you know you see you see this every day with influencers, you know, being able to launch, you know, nine figure brands overnight because they have the distribution. Mm. You know, there's a reason why Mr. Beast can, can, can stand up a hundred million dollar business in six months because he already has the distribution right. and that's the hard part. Um, it's kind of like, uh, it's kind of like this, like, like, let's say you want, I'm, I'm, I'm from Nashville, Tennessee, which is the home of country music. And so every day we get a, we get a hundred people moving here every day that want to be a country music star. And we're home, hmm. you know, you can walk up and down Broadway and see some of the best guitarists in the world who, who, hmm. who are unknown. You don't know who they are. And, and so you think like to become a successful musician, you got to be a good songwriter and you got to be a good, good guitarist or, and so right. on. And then you come to realize like, and maybe you put in all this work to cut an album and so on. And then you launch the album and then, and then you realize that was all the easy part. Getting a hundred people to show up to my concert <laughs> is the hard part. And, right. and, and so, uh, and so an entrepreneur goes through this, through this same, um, uh, shocking awakening like as, as you pour your heart and soul into a product you release it you can't get anybody to use it yeah so if i had a following in the early days you know if i was bob vila or something you know in the in the in the home improvement <laughs> space it might have helped but if i was like a social media yeah. influencer i don't know that it would have helped much because our users our users are are uh you know, a single mother in, in Lincoln, Nebraska, that needs mm. somebody to mow their yard. You know, how am I going to get my right. product where she needs it? Um, it it's, it's, it's like uh, there's product market fit, and then there's product channel fit. And so for us, mm. uh, our product and, and SEO as a channel are like, a, are like peanut butter and jelly. Like they are a match made in heaven. Our product and a a great podcaster or YouTube influencer or, or a Instagram influencer, not a good product channel fit. So I don't know that it hmm. would have helped me all that much uh, with getting this particular right. platform going. Yeah, because I had that because, you know, a lot of people build who are trying to start a business, which is, you know, the majority of people watch the YouTube channel, listen to the podcast, you know, they... Oh, we, I should say, because I'm also one of them. You know, we kind of discount the importance of what you just said now product channel fit or product market fit and just focus on you know what if i have a great product and i just you know uh, blast some ads on social media people are just magically going to sign up and you know like you said it doesn't necessarily mean that having you know a huge following is necessarily going to you know get you those initial users or customers and get that traction and not necessarily discounting the, the 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 power of doing the work and getting out there, like you said, hanging up flyers and you know going all around town in the initial days. I think there's still you know space for that. There's still a need for that, and in fact, there's still that is still one of the things that is going to get this type of business going. And that, I think that's a nice segue into what I want to ask is which you know which is the now that you know your green pal as kind of taken off seeing the success that it has when you look back now and you look at the the success that has come after launch and all that i think there is an advantage there and i want you to explain that to me which is combining something that is needed by almost everyone in america like if you're aspiring to the american dream which is home to home you know having a family you know living in the suburbs something like that you will inevitably need someone to mow your lawn at some point. 
And I think combining that with technology, it sort of creates like this blue ocean landscape. Do you think that's a contributor to the success of your green pal and how well it's done in this in this in this industry and if so what i just want to get your your thoughts on that yeah i think the the least glamorous and more practical and 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 least sexy the idea the greater your chances of success so it doesn't get any more hmm. uh, non-glamorous than cutting the lawn it's it's pretty it's a pre, it's, it's nobody not everybody's looking <laughs> to innovate in in this particular use case and so that that can be helpful um, it certainly has been for us, but don't conflate that with, okay, everybody needs this. Everybody has it. Hmm. Um, therefore success should be easy because everybody needs this. Um, because you kind of get into this, uh, into this trap of trying to boil the ocean. And, and so for us, we had to start really small and, and try to like get a little spark going of connecting pros mm. and consumers at a very small level just in a in a bedroom community of nashville tennessee making it work there with five or ten suppliers and 30 or 40 uh, homeowners and figuring out how that works okay and now, now let's go to some other towns around nashville okay now we've got five or six of those let's get nashville going okay we spent two years just in nashville getting it figuring it out getting it going wow. then went to atlanta then went to tampa and slowly like like moved uh, throughout the country and these concentric circles. And that's how we needed to roll it out. Had we tried to boil the ocean of saying, okay, there's a lot of lawns in Miami. Let's just go launch Miami and figure, you know, because everybody needs it. Um, that's not how these things like ignite. And it's not how these things take hold. Um, mm. There's a great book about this called the, the cold start problem. Uh, a guy named Andrew Chen, who's a famous venture capitalist who, who was a growth person at Uber wrote this book about the cold start problem. And, and so just because everybody has the problem, everybody needs a solution for the problem, there's still going to be a, 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 a huge obstacle of the cold start to get the, hmm. the, the critical mass of users you need to then kick off the network effects to, that, that begin to compound. And, and so I see a lot of entrepreneurs get into that trap um, and, and, and a lot of it relates to building apps and services for consumers because it's really, really hard to get a consumer app off the ground uh, because consumers are fickle, the, their needs are, are always changing, they can be in, in, insatiable at times. You're, competi hmm. you're competing against Amazon, whether you know it or not. Um, <laughs> I'm in... I'm in the lawn mowing. I'm 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 in the how do I make lawn mowing as easy as pushing a button, and and right. and I'm competing in a way with Amazon. You might say, well, Amazon doesn't offer lawn mowing. No, but Amazon, Absolutely. but Amazon can make something appear at your door in two hours, and that th that is the mindset that a consumer comes to my platform with. That they want somebody to mow their mm. yard in two hours, even if it's four feet tall. So, so that, <laughs> so in a way, in a way, the consumer is indoctrinated to these Amazon Uber-like experiences. Right. So then, you as the exactly. as the entrepreneur have to deliver on an experience have, as have to keep up with uh -huh, that. Huh? As magical as that. So, so in a way, like that's 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 that's, that's, that's hard. <laughs> That's that's uh, yeah that's interesting because like I was waiting for you to uh you know to bring those together you know to connect those in a way that maybe you know Amazon might create a product that mows your yard in in 24 hours or something like that but now when you talk about the mindset um upgrade that people have kind of had in the last 10 years it kind of puts everyone in competition with amazon in a way if you're creating a consumer product exactly because now <laughs> you have to you know uh, that instant gratification that people enjoys with amazon you have to live up to that you have to deliver that because exactly. that is the expectation now exactly right? <laughs> jeff jeff bezos <laughs> He's got a great quote. He says, the thing I love the most about the customer is they are divinely discontent. And today's innovation, <laughs> today's innovation is like yes, is like yesterday's forgotten news. So it's like it doesn't matter how good, mm. how good you, your product or service is, it's like 
yeah, that's what consumers expect. They expect an Amazon experience. They expect an Uber <laughs> experience. They expect it to work perfectly and seamlessly. And so you as, you know, you're right. bringing a new product or service to the marketplace, that's table stakes. And this is a trillion dollar company. Mm. You're, you're a startup. Uh, and so that's, that's one of the things like building, like closing the gap between the, your product's experience and what they can get on Amazon is, is what you have to right. like do as a founder. And it, and it can be challenging. Hmm. Right. So Amazon is sort of like the North Star. If if you think Amazon can do better, then you need to step up your game. That's right. Got it. Now let's <laughs> let's kind of you know take a little you know a little bit further. Um, you know those initial wins you know started coming in. Uh, now I mean obviously uh, I mean I was just typing in the company into Google and you know Wikipedia came up and and I'm seeing all of these numbers you know raised this amount, this couple of million dollars in 2000, this and that, and, you know, lots of employees. At what point did you come to the conclusion, or maybe not a conclusion, or just start to realize that, you know what, I think we might be onto something. I think we are, I think we'll survive. I think we'll make it. Yeah. Yeah. It's an important moment to get to as, as a startup founder. Um, it doesn't matter if you, you're just trying to build something that makes 10 grand a month, or you're trying to build a, a billion dollar platform, getting to that moment where it's like, okay, I'm on to something. This is working. Uh, this is no longer like pulling teeth to make it happen um, is an important moment mm. because, because if you can't get to that moment, then it's time to back up and fit and, and pivot to something else. But getting to that moment mm. Um, is important because then you can then you can decide. Okay, I'm going to spend the next decade of my life on on this mission. And the moment is not as big as you think. Uh, for me, uh, it happened in like year two. My 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 co-founders mm. and I we were all working uh, on a Saturday or a Sunday, and and uh, I remember that day, 30, 40 people signed up and transacted on the platform, and I didn't wow. I didn't know. Who any of them were, I had never, I had never heard wow. any of their names because up and up <laughs> until then, everything was very hand cranking and it was very right. manual, and we were like trying to like white glove, uh, like concierge, uh, the the customer mm. experience, and that was the first moment where s somebody I didn't know could discover our platform through a Google search, could sign themselves up could get quotes from another person I didn't know, uh, could read wow. their profile, put their credit card in, hire them, and then that person show up, <laughs> do a great job mowing the wow. yard, and then the other person pay them. And like that was the first moment where that happened like 40 times in a day. And uh, that was the first moment in which I was like, this is going to work. Uh, because if I can get that 40 to 400 and I get the 4,000 and I get the 40,000, right. I'll have something. And so that's an important moment. I think maybe even like know what that moment looks like and set it as a goal and say, if I can't do this, if I can't get to a thousand dollars a month and in two years, then I'm going to back up and do something else. And I'm going to I'm, I have a fire in my belly to get there. I'm going to do everything I can. It's like my get rich or die trying. I'm going to do everything I can to get there. Mm. Uh, but if I can't get to this, then it, then it's time to to pack it up and do something else. That was the moment for me, and, and it's important for every founder to know that. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. And that's, uh, I mean, that really uh, you know struck a chord with me because. Uh, you know, a good number of people who watch this as well are you know, not necessarily like you know, local services, business founders, or people want to do that kind of business. A lot of people just want to create something on the internet. For example, you know, you start a YouTube channel. That's what everybody wants to be now, a YouTuber, right? And they want to use that as a medium to sell things, maybe a digital product or things of that nature. And I can remember like five years ago, even like when I was trying to create something, I just moved from Nigeria to the United States. I mean, about six years ago, then a year after that, I was just trying to sell something on the internet. I set up this little website and I put up an ad on Facebook, $5 a day. It was a lot of money and I was freaking out. And I remember I just, I made that one sale of a five, I think it was a $7 trinket I got, I picked up somewhere. And that $7 felt like 
it felt like seven million dollars that I just made the entire money that I needed to survive for for the rest of my life. And that was the same thought that went through my head. I don't know this person. They went on the website, they put in the credit card, and they paid me money for this product I'm trying to sell. So I think, like you said, it's really important for everyone who's trying to build something to really set that as a goal, especially when you are doing maybe, you know, B to C, I mean, or D to C or, or whatever that is as a goal that, you know what, when a stranger can actually pay me without me having to interfere in the end of the process, I think the idea might be what something at that point. I think I think that's really important. Um, so thanks for sharing that. So I mean, you've mentioned a couple times, you know, about having co-founders and whatnot. And I know that you know the landscape of business having co-founders might be a little bit daunting to a lot of people, challenging a lot. Of people, you know, people think they can do it alone. And I just want to get your perspective on that subject of you know bringing on people or versus doing it solo as a solo founder i know a lot of people might lean more towards one than the other what's your experience been like having co-founders and being in a business together with other people has there been experiences that you think may have contributed to the success of the company and if so what what are some of the things that you can uh, allude to yeah i wouldn't be where where we are today with green pal had i not had co-founders um so it worked out for me but um, I see bad co-founder dynamics kill more startups than anything. So I, my, my, hmm. my general advice, generally speaking, is um, if you can go it alone, take it as far as you can by yourself uh, alone. And then <laughs> if you find your business co-founder soulmate – the person you can't mm. imagine not starting the business with, uh, then, then, then metaphorically get married to them, uh, because it really is <laughs> a marriage. Uh, it's so funny that you know in the United States we'll put a year, two years, three years into dating our spouse, and then we'll get engaged for a year, four years. A lot of times, on average, just four years uh, from meeting meeting mm. your spouse to getting married. And but what yet we'll we'll start a tech startup with 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 a co-founder we've known for two weeks, and the reality is it's easier to unwind and and reconcile that marriage than it is the 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 the, the operating agreement with your co-founder, and and so uh, and so take it as seriously as a marriage because it really is. And Paul Graham calls calls it getting a hacker and a hustler. Ideally, you get somebody who you know is, is driven by getting the business going and is, is a hustler by nature. They're an animal. They're, they're really trying to get this business going. And then you got a hacker. You got somebody who, who knows how to code, who can execute on the vision of the other, other person uh, and bring mm. it alive through execution and technology. And, and these, two, these two skill sets come together and one plus one is three or five. <clears throat> And, uh, and that can be helpful, but it's really hard to, to find that. And so when looking for co-founders, think of it like a marriage. Think of it like your, 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 your business soulmate. Look for what I call builders. Don't look for an idea person. Don't look for a quote-unquote business person. Look for a designer. Hmm. Look for a coder. Look for a developer. People who can build because... You're going to need to be MacGyver, and you're going to need to be able to build your way out of problems. Right. You're going to need to be able to use your skills to get this thing going, get it where it's got to go. And and business slash idea person graduated with an MBA in business school isn't usually the type of tactical builder you need in those early days. Hmm. And so, and so that's 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 another thing I'll I'll, I'll say. And then the last thing I'll say is um, a quick test would be to imagine okay let's just say you you were like me and you have a you have a, a you had a service business that you built and sold you spent 15 years building it and let's just say you sold it for 5 million dollars now let's just imagine you got 5 million dollars in the bank hmm. you're going to start this business this co-founder you want to start the business with would you write them a check for 5 million dollars today to start that business with you and if the answer is yes then let's go if the answer is no, hmm. then don't do it. Because if the business is successful, their equity is going to going to be worth 
five, ten, twenty million dollars very quickly, and and you may you may right. want to raise venture capital, and and you're going to take on dilution and, and to the effect of five or ten million dollars anyway for selling them a chunk of equity that's equal mm. to the equity you're giving this person. So you might as well work through that that decision making. And, and say, okay, if I had $5 million, yes, I would give it to this person because I can't imagine starting this business without them. There's no way I'm going to be successful hmm. without their help and their contribution. Wow. That's that's really valuable insight there. Um, I think a lot of founders are going to find this you know, really helpful. And uh, now... Uh, you talked about you know, venture funding, which you know leads me to you know this. I'm about to ask, like at some point, did you have to seek venture funding, and what was that process like? If you did, I'm not sure. I, I, I think I may have read something like that, but did you did you seek venture funding at some point? In the early days, we subscribed to this this idea, this Silicon Valley idea of of uh, okay, we're going to go raise a seed round, and then we're going to raise a Series A, Series A, Series B, and so on. And so that's what, at the onset, what we intended to do. And so we were in the early days taking me- all the meetings we could. And, and I was just, I was just like so disenchanted with the process. It's like, I got to sit here and take a hundred meetings and beg and hope somebody writes me a check for 25 or 50 grand to help me start this thing. And I'm like, this is a waste of my time. Like I need to go build a product. <laughs> I need to go build a product and go hustle up some customers. And, and I don't have to grovel over these $25,000 checks. Like this is so such a waste of everybody's time. And, and, and so I was like, right. I, was like, I want to build a product that raises a seed round every month with revenue. That's what I want to do. And so, hmm. and so that's what we did. I was like, to hell with that. We're just going to like build a product that makes money. And that's what we did. And it took a couple of years, but now, you know, but at that time we, wow. we were making enough money where we didn't need an, a, a seed round. And then we could have raised a series A, but at that time, uh, the, 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 the tidal wave of venture capital was going into other Uber for X ideas. So, so Uber for home right. cleaning, Uber for valet parking, Uber yeah. for laundry <laughs> service, you name it. And we was those are quite popular. Then. Yeah, 13, 14, 15. <laughs> now it's AI. Yeah, now it's AI. Yeah, right. <laughs> and so I started. Like, I'm I'm on the sidelines of this venture capital uh, party, and I'm I'm just kind of I'm I'm like I'm peeking over the fence of the of the pool party, and I'm looking at what's happening, and <clears> and, <throat> and and I'm seeing that uh, Uber for home cleaning raises a hundred million dollars. And 18 months later, wow. Uber for home cleaning shutters its doors. And I'm like, damn, wow. uh, they burned through $100 million. Like, that's, that's, that's a team. That's, a, that's, that's somebody's family. That's, that's a bunch of money. Like, I don't, I don't want to go through that. And so I thought from that moment, I'm like, to hell with that. Yeah. We're just going to build a sustainable business. Luckily, we weren't in a dynamic where it was like a, a land grab. It wasn't like, Somebody hmm. was going to pull the rug out from under us and, and steal right. the dream from us. We could we could afford to go pragmatically and slow, and, hmm. and that, that worked for us. Uh, I don't I don't have an opinion one way or the other. I think like everything, it depends. And for us, building right. the business off of its own revenues was was the right call. How powerful is Cox Internet? So powerful that one day. Your daughter will be able to simulate a soccer match against some of the world's best players right from your backyard. Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Internet delivered through Cox's hybrid fiber coax network. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions apply. Trying to grab all the groceries in one trip? Oof. Not how you would have done that. You know sometimes less is more. Like when you drive less and save with the USAA annual mileage discount. USAA. Get a quote today. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I mean I've, 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 I've heard this many times. You know, like the, the, the moment you take that investment, I mean, that venture fund, every, the, the pressure just goes up, you know, 
multiple, multiple folds. And now there's a pressure to, you know, keep the doors open and the business has to succeed because this investors has to exit one way or another. So, um, like you said, I mean, sometimes it works. Sometimes it just, you know, doesn't, it doesn't work. And I mean, I, I, I just want to get into more of sort of like a, uh, I mean, looking back, uh, you know, segment now, I should call it that. Um, if, you would have done things differently. I, I know like, you, you learned so much and there are a lot of lessons you've learned along the way and a lot of things you could have done differently looking back now. What would those things be? If you could just mention maybe one or two, or maybe three things that you could have done differently or how many, or, I mean, or how many lessons you've learned in that time period that knowing what you know now you know, could have accelerated things for you or made things easier. Yeah, you know, you, you never know. You don't know what you don't know when you first get started. So you're always going to screw a bunch of things up. And, and it really, the whole thing, mm. the whole thing is one experiment. It's one, it's one, it's just a bunch of sets of experiments and you're just figuring it out as you go. And so you can look back and you can say, damn, that took too long, but you know, you didn't know mm. what you didn't know. And, and so, yeah, you have all the answers to the test. Uh, and so, of course, you could do it quicker the second time around. Like if if Doc from Back to the Future rolls up in the DeLorean and says, hey, let's go back 10 <laughs> years ago and let's start this whole thing over again. I could do what took us 10 years. I could probably do in, in two or three because I kind of have the answers. Right. <laughs> I have the roadmap now. And But that just took time. <laughs> of course. It took time. It took experimentation. It took trial and error. And that takes time. And so uh, – but but one thing I would do differently um, is I would I would learn how to delegate a little better and and what I mean by that is delegation is a weird thing because everybody's like oh you got to delegate oh you got you'll never scale until you delegate you'll never get leverage until you delegate mm. um, <clears throat> but you can delegate too soon so I made both mistakes I delegated too soon and then I delegated mm. I delegated too late. And so, um, you know, even though I was a second time founder, I was still pretty much a first time founder because I had never built a tech right. company. And so, and so I delegated to, exactly. I delegated too soon. I thought, well, this is what the app should be. This is what the green power platform should be, uh, here, you development shop, you've got 20 engineers, mm. five designers, you're set up for this. I'm delegating this to you. You go build it. Let me know when it's done. And that was a total waste of time and money uh, because I didn't know hmm. I didn't know what I was delegating. I didn't I, I wasn't delegating from like stewardship. I was delegating from, right. from abjuration. Like I don't know how to do this. Mm. You you handle it. And that that, yeah. that blew up in my face. And so here here we Or simply out of convenience. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, or laziness. Yeah, uh, you know, I don't want to learn how to code. That's really <laughs> that's really hard. The last thing I want right. the last thing I want to do is watch YouTube uh, tutorials on JavaScript until midnight, uh, coding up. B Which you eventually I, now had to go do. I had to do it. I had to do it because I had to get like some kind of eighty twenty acumen wow. around the thing to be able to delegate it. And so, uh, mm. so delegated too soon. That was a mistake that I would make over again. Uh, that I would correct, and then I delegated too late we then did everything mm. ourselves for for four years we wrote all the code we did all the customer support we wrote all the content we did all the design we did everything ourselves and uh and then and because i had the scars from like wasting our bankroll and, and damn near uh bankrupting the, the right. company i didn't want to make that mistake again and so then I delegated too late. Cost us too much time. I could have built up a team around a lot of these things um, as, mm. as, as we were getting 80, 20 good at them. And so that was the, that was the mistake that I made. Is there's a happy medium between the two, and, I, and I've made it. I delegated too soon and then delegated too late. Wow. That's, those are two very uh, important lessons to, I mean, to learn. I mean, you hear this uh, flying around every now and then, oh, you got it. You have to delegate, but there are also some uh, nuance to that as well. You know, delegating too soon is a thing and too late is a thing as well. Right. So uh, we always need to, you know, to keep that in mind. And, you know, now, I mean, I just want to ask because you have such, you know, wealth of knowledge, you know, especially, you know, coming from the background that you did now building a company uh, as you have in the last couple of years that has gone on to do really well. And, you know, a lot of people who are listening right now or watching, they 
them builders, founders, people who could benefit from this kind of knowledge sharing that we are go, you know, having right now. Uh, is there something that you're doing right now? I mean, I know you want to give back. Are you in, say, the business or the service of um, educating people, perhaps people starting businesses or things of that nature? Because I would love that, you know, to learn from you, you know, as that's coming from a selfish, uh, you know, position. Is this something that you perhaps are looking to do at some point, maybe uh, groom the next generation of entrepreneurs, you know, so that they don't make the same mistakes that you did? Yeah, I love sharing my thoughts and philosophies on, on this stuff. Uh, hopefully people, <laughs> I, what I hope somebody gets from an interview with me is, is, is that they come away with the feeling of if that guy can do it, I can do it too. And so that's mm. the main message I try to convey. I think, you know, if this company, I, I envision us running this business another 10 years, but mm. if for some reason, uh, we find out that I suck as, as a CEO, we put in a professional CEO or, <laughs> if, or if, you know, you never know the business gets acquired or something. Um, then, mm. then maybe I might, I might, I might, uh, you know, write a book and, 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 and professionally help other entrepreneurs get through the stages I've been through. Right. Um, right now I, I, I share my thoughts on podcasts. I share some stuff on Instagram on, on tips and things that, that we've gone through, but I don't have any kind of like real intentional course or anything, maybe one day, hmm. but, but not yet. I mean, I will be the first. I mean, to 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 get any one of those because honestly, this is you know probably one of the most insightful conversations I've had in you know recent time or that I can remember. I've had a lot of great conversations, uh, mind you. So uh, that's I, I just wanted to put that out there. I mean, thank you for you know for sharing all of that. I mean, you are traveling you know forty seven countries in the last couple of years. A lot of people want to know. I'm very sure. Um, how's the experience been like for you? I mean, what's your favorite place to, to 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 work from, or to relax, or to just you know enjoy, uh, you know this time and you know uh, in the, the the freedom that you have, you know to, to to do that. Just share with me some of those. I, I, I like to live vicariously through people, so also that might be coming from a selfish position, but who knows? <laughs> yeah. Well, um, for me, traveling and being in new environments is enriching, and and it, it is it opens my mind to new experiences, new ways of doing things. It keeps me, I guess, on my toes. And like spiritually speaking, it, it helps me uh, be in, a, in an expansive mindset. And I think if you can like combine the spiritual with the tactical, I think that can be deadly. And traveling helps me on the spiritual side. Um, and one of my favorite quotes about mm. this type of lifestyle uh, by Rolf Potts, he says, walk until your day becomes interesting. And if I'm at my house in mm. Nashville you know, I can walk around my neighborhood and it doesn't matter what happens. It ain't going to be that interesting, but <laughs> you know, it's going to be the same walk. It always was. And it, you know, right. it doesn't mean, Absolutely. it doesn't mean you shouldn't, you shouldn't go for a walk, but like, but if you're traveling, you're in a new city, maybe you're in Mexico city and, and, and you walk, I guarantee you at a certain point in time, or in Albania, like I am right now. Boom. You know, you're 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 gonna you're gonna come across something that's interesting. Maybe you know, it's like, oh, okay, they sell ants. I've never had. I've never. <laughs> I've never eaten a handful of ants. Let me try that. I don't right. know. Okay, kind of, kind of tastes like, kind of tastes like a uh, bitter, terrible tasting popcorn, but not bad. Okay, that was pretty interesting. And so, like travel, I can tell that's coming from real life experience. <laughs> yeah, huh? Had a handful, had a had a handful of, of dried ants. Uh, you know, walking around Mexico City wow. one time, and so, you know, that's a cool thing that if 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 you can build a business that enables you to sustain yourself while while being out there on the road. Uh, it can make your life enriching. It can make your life more interesting, which I think can be inspiring to, to build a better, more enduring business. That's that's awesome. Uh, I, I think that's that's such an interesting way to you know to live. The listeners, uh, you, you know. I'll, I'll let them, you know, ruminate on that and just take everything all in. I don't want to take too much of your time. Hopefully, at some point in the future, I'll bring you back and we can talk travel. I mean, 47 countries, a lot. I'm pretty sure you have a ton of experiences, met a lot of people, and a lot of great stories to share as well. So thank you, Brian, for coming on the Nomad Entrepreneur Podcast. Uh, this has been a, an enriching conversation for me, so I appreciate it so much. Well, thank you, Daniel. I enjoyed it. 
Well, that, ladies and gentlemen, was my conversation with Brian Clayton, the co-founder and CEO of Your Green Palm. If you enjoyed it, let me know down in the comments. I believe on Spotify, you can actually leave a comment about an episode. Let me know your thoughts and your feelings about it. And again, if you have not left a review on the podcast, please kindly do so takes about 30 seconds let me know how you feel if you enjoy this episode because it really informs what kind of guests i bring on and where to steer the conversation i want to thank you again for taking time out today for listening to this episode it really means so much to me you can reach out to me at ifdanodata.gmail.com if you have any comments questions queries if you want to sponsor this podcast i am hoping to that as well We have some interesting episodes lined up for you in the coming weeks and months. The conversation is only going to get better, so stay tuned for that. Hope you enjoy the rest of your day, your week, your month, whatever it is that you're listening from. Again, my name is Daniel, your host on the Nomad Entrepreneur Podcast, and I will talk to you in the next episode. Match believes that adults date better. Because when you date as an adult, you get to be a little irresponsible with really responsible people. Rip the clothes off someone who actually knows how to put them away. Fall stupidly in love with someone who's actually really smart. Forget being hot. Get them to ugly laugh. Ready to crush on someone who makes you feel whole? If you know who you are and what you want in a relationship, Match is the place for you. Adults Wanted. Download the Match app today. Match believes that adults date better. Because when you date as an adult, you get to be a little irresponsible with really responsible people. Rip the clothes off someone who actually knows how to put them away. Fall stupidly in love with someone who's actually really smart. Forget being hot. Get them to ugly laugh. Ready to crush on someone who makes you feel whole? If you know who you are and what you want in a relationship, Match is the place for you. Adults Wanted. Download the Match app today.